Welcome back everybody for our next session on our journey through the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, honor your mother and your father. Hopefully over the, the past week or so, you took some time to do the action plan and the family activity uh, there on the, the last commandment. And that you, uh, you, you wrote down some things that maybe are getting in the way of observing the Lord's Day with rest and relaxation to prepare you for the week ahead. And you started to take some action to make some changes there. And I uh, hope you really enjoyed some nice ice cream sundaes with your family and talking about how this Lord's Day is, is such a great blessing and how to, to observe that within your family. If you didn't, go ahead and plan to do that. Put it on your calendar. It's a great opportunity to get the most out of this beautiful commandment that God gave us. Let's begin with our opening prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's go through the commandments here and get them top of mind so we can live them in our hearts. Call them out loudly and clearly as we go through them. So what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall not have strange gods before me. Number two, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Number three, remember to keep holy the Lord's day. And number four, honor your father and your mother. Number five, you shall not kill. Number six, you shall not commit adultery. Number seven, you shall not steal. Number eight, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number nine, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or husband. You shall not covet your neighbor's goods. Very good. We'll continue to do this so we can get them top of mind. So, the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother. If you remember back to the first session, we talked about the commandments are broken into two different groups. The first three commandments are about our relationship with God. And commandments four through ten are about our relationships with one another. So this commandment here, we're going to begin with talking about our relationships with one another. Now, if you don't have children or your children are, are adults, don't think that this commandment doesn't pertain to you. These commandments pertain to us regardless of what age we are and whether we have children or not, because this commandment pertains to any of the children in our lives. If we're grandparents for our grandchildren, and if we're a teacher for the students that we teach, if we're a coach for the children that we're, we're coaching along the way, if we're an aunt or an uncle, the children in our lives. So whoever the children are in your lives, this pertains to your relationship with them. 
and how you can nurture them within this relationship. It could just be a neighbor and the neighbor kids as well. This commandment is about family and about family dynamics and we're definitely not gonna even scratch the surface on family dynamics. And I'm not an expert on family dynamics or counseling. If you have some specific situations in your family you need expert advice from and assistance with, please seek it. But what we're gonna do here today is we're gonna talk about the foundation for the family dynamics. If we don't have the foundation set well, then the rest of what we try and do to try and patch together good family dynamics becomes very challenging, very difficult, and not as successful as it would otherwise be. We need a good solid foundation. And so we're gonna talk about that foundation in light of the fourth commandment of honoring our mother and our father. And so once again, we're going to look to Exodus chapter 20 as we look at this command to see what the full verse is for this commandment. It starts, honor your father and mother. And then it continues with the promise here. It says that you may have a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now this may sound really nice and fluffy and you think that's all that it really is. It just kind of attaches this verse to the next verse, but there's a lot involved in that second half of the verse. The land that God is giving you to the Israelites, they were looking at it as a promised land. And that land that God is promising us, that promised land for us, is heaven. And this commandment paves the way for us to get to heaven. It paves the way for our children and grandchildren to get to heaven. You'll see that as we continue on here. It's not just some fluffy language, but something very important in this second half of the verse. So when we think of this commandment, we think of our children measuring up to honoring their mother and father. We think of this in terms of this is the commandment that pertains to children, and it definitely does. But I would say that this commandment pertains at least equally with us adults, with us parents and grandparents, and it does with the children. Because when you think about it, when we tell our children, and this commandment tells our children, honor your mother and father, where do they learn how to honor their mother and father? Don't they learn it through our example, through the honor and respect that we show our spouse? and the cashier down the street, and them? Don't they learn how to honor and respect others through watching us? And so it starts with us, it doesn't start with the children. And so we need to realize that this commandment pertains at least equally to us adults as it does to the children, but it's for the benefit of the children. Being a parent is literally the most important job in the world because it establishes the future for our children. And collectively, it establishes the future for society and for the world. You know, when a child is first born and they look at their mom and dad with these beautiful eyes, what do they see? From their eyes, when they look at mom and dad, they see God. They see God in us. They don't know about the God of the universe that created us. 
But they look at their parents as God because just like God nurtures us and cares for us and provides us the food and protects us, that's what the parent does for the child. And the child looks at their God and says, wow, what an amazing God I have. I want to be like this God. And they start to be shaped by the attitudes and the behavior and the character of their parents because the parents literally do stand in the place of God until the child can get to where they can start to see that there's a God greater than their parents. And as parents bring God into their lives, they start to see the God of my universe has a God that is more important and greater than them. And they start to put into practice their relationship with this other God, this true God, their creator. So it's in the home where children learn how to honor and respect their parents and their brothers and their sisters. So that when they grow up and they get outside the home, they can just naturally honor and respect their teachers and their friends, and eventually their spouse, and have successful marriages. And they can respect their coworkers and their bosses so that they can get along well with them. This commandment is about their future. What kind of future are the children going to have if they don't learn to honor and respect in the home? To honor and respect the rules of the house that make it so that the house can operate properly. So this commandment comes with the promise of a long life on the land. But if we don't learn this commandment at home, that promise of the long life is going to be hard and a very difficult life. It sets things up for problems outside the home. So when a child is at home and they don't want to follow the rules and they don't learn that honor and respect in the home, their freedoms within the home get taken away typically. And sometimes a child says, the heck with this, I'm going to get out of here where I can be free. And they go out in the world and they haven't figured out how to get along with the rules in the home, so they're not going to get along with the rules outside the home. And things break down and the freedom that they sought is now taken away and chipped away a piece at a time. <clears throat> Leaving home is a very dangerous thing. And when we look at uh, an organization called teenhelp.com, they report that the biggest reason teens run away, 35% of runaways, they run away due to family dynamics. And they define family dynamics as teens not wanting to obey house rules or not getting along with family members. This is a very dangerous situation. Children who run away are less likely to finish high school, and not finishing high school sets them up for a very difficult life, being able to provide for themselves and for any children and spouses that, that they have. Divorce rate become very high with this group of people. This commandment's very important. It's not a trivial thing of just obeying, but it sets up the future for these kids and when these children, these young adults say the heck with the rules at home and they break away and they go out in the world on their own, they're not prepared to survive on their own.
but they have to survive some way or another. Teenhelp.com points out five different ways that teens who leave the home survive, and they don't look very pretty. Stealing doesn't set them up for a very good future. Begging. Drug dealing. Prostitution. And dumpster diving. How well is a young person going to survive in this environment? What kind of future are they going to have in this environment? You see how this commandment, starting with a young child, in teaching honor and respect by being honorable and respectable ourselves keeps them from these kinds of challenges out in the world. If we look back at the authority figures and the examples, the role models in the 50s and 60s, we have some beautiful examples to go back to. Some of our childhood favorites here, the, 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 the Cleaver family, the Cartwrights and the Brady Bunch. You think about the, the family dynamics within these families and how the parents had the appropriate authority and the respect. And they didn't demand it, they just lived it in their lives. And the children looked up to them. And you think of the atmospheres of the families in these lives. Were they atmospheres in, of chaos and stress? Or were they atmospheres of safety and support and concern? And who set the tone for these atmospheres and these environments, these cultures and these families? It was the parents. It starts with us, the parents and the grandparents. Fast forward a couple decades, and here's the, uh, the examples and the role models that we had and we invited into our living rooms. We've got the Bundy family where the father was basically a moron, the mother was a floozy, and if there were any rules to be set, the kids set the rules, and there was only one rule, which is there are no rules. Very different family atmosphere. And Archie Bunker, what a guy he was. He was very bigoted in his, in his attitudes about things, and, and his position of authority is how he established his authority. It wasn't because he earned it, it was he was the man of the house, and he knew what was right, and that was the end of the story. And... Edith, loving, lovingly Edith, she was referred to as the dingbat, and it was the young couple, the, the children, who were, were the enlightened ones, the ones who had it all figured out and knew how things should be. And then we've got good old Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson was fixated on self-gratification and comfort and mediocrity, and his son was the smart one who was able to outwit him and make a fool out of him. And mom just trying to, held thing, tried to hold things together. And, and then it was Lisa, the young one, who was always able to bring some sensibility into the situation and solve the problems. Do we have things turned upside down in our culture, in our society? Have we stripped parents of their authority by inviting these into our homes? We need to recapture this. We need to turn this around. And this commandment calls us to do this, to bring the authority back to the, to the family. And we have to do it by living the honorable lives that we're called to in the commandments.
If we don't turn this around, aren't we robbing our children and grandchildren of their future? God's wisdom is so amazing that he establishes this in this beautiful commandment about families. We need to recapture it. We need to live it. So let's take some time to have some conversation about this. And we want to make sure that you take the first two minutes in silence, just reflecting on this yourself. Gather your own thoughts before you engage in conversation so you can see how this is playing out in, in your life and any potential changes maybe you need to make. So take two minutes, and then after two minutes, have some conversation. And the question, just question number two, don't go on to three and four yet. We'll do that in the second group discussion. Second question here is, over the past several decades, how has the parent-child relationship changed for the worse, and how has it changed for the better? So go ahead and have your group discussion, and I encourage you to make your discussions personal, not theoretical, not generic in terms, but make it personal. It'll be much more fruitful. We'll see you in a few moments. Let's continue on with this beautiful commandment, and I kind of painted a bleak picture there, but I'm going to turn it around and we're going to talk about the greatness of this commandment and how this commandment is about raising great families. This fourth commandment, it offers freedom to our children, freedom in their lives now and freedom in their futures. It offers God's wisdom because if they learn to respect and honor their parents and parents are honoring and respecting their relationship with God, it leads these children into a relationship with God. And they can tap into that wisdom and it sets for a good future for them and the wisdom, the divine wisdom of, of God instead of the wisdom of the world. And it establishes the foundation not just for great dynamics within the family and a great future for individuals, but for a great society. And so we're going to look at the beauty of this commandment in the second half. The Catechism points out the greatness of this commandment in paragraph 2207, which says, Authority, stability, and a life of relationships within the family constitutes the foundation for freedom security and fraternity within society. The family is the community in which from childhood one can learn moral values, begin to honor God and make the good use of freedom. Family life is an initiation into life in society. The building block of society is the family. And as families learn to honor and respect one another and honor and respect their creator, these families come together and they form great communities, communities that honor and respect one another and get along and they, they, they work together towards causes and, and great events. And these communities come together and they create great cities working together and honoring one another. And these cities working together collectively set the foundation for a great nation. 
and as the nations of the world honor and respect one another, we have a great world. The foundation for all of this greatness starts in the family. And this commandment gives us so much to be able to start with and to build that foundation. And we shouldn't be looking for the government to fix these problems or the schools to fix these problems. It starts, it starts with us. It starts with us in God's beautiful commandments. And this one here, establishing honor and respect in the family through our love and through our examples. Would you say that maybe we need a little more honor and respect in our world today? It starts with each of us doing our own part. Each of us planting the seeds within our families. We can create a promising future. We can establish for our children and grandchildren a long life in the land the Lord our God is giving to us and to them. And it's not just a long life, and it's not just a life with fancy things, but it's a life with the truly finer things of life, joy, relationship, a bright future, and hope. Unbounded, authentic freedom. This is what this commandment offers us. So much more than first meets the eye. And when we, we look at what we can do and start within our families, we look at the hopes and dreams that we have for our children and our grandchildren. What are our dreams for our children's education in life? What are our hopes for their marriages and their careers and for the families that they will raise and the grandchildren that they will bless you with? How about their legacy? What are our hopes for their legacy? And these are all the earthly things, but even greater than all of this is heaven. Complete freedom, complete joy in heaven with God. Isn't that what we ultimately want for our children? When we obey this commandment, when we follow it, in all of the commandments collectively, we will truly be blessed. Just like Abraham was blessed. And we read about this in Genesis chapter 22, where God tells Abraham, he says, I will bless you and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the gates of their enemies. And in your descendants, all the nations of the earth will find blessing because you obeyed my command. So as we adopt and embrace these commandments, our children, our descendants will be blessed. And just as Abraham was blessed and all the nations were blessed because he followed the commandments, our descendants will be blessed as we embrace and live these commandments. It's a promise from God. The relationships within the family, specifically the relationships between a father and his children and a mother and her children are paramount within the success of the future of children. The Journal of Family tells us adolescents who had a positive relationship with their fathers are less likely to be arrested, belong to a gang, damage property, steal or run away compared to their peers with less positive relationships 
with their father. Statistically, the numbers are astounding. How much better off the futures are of children who have that loving relationship of honor and respect with their children. And an article called The Real Root Causes of Violent Crime talks about the mother's relationship with the child and the importance of that relationship. And it says in that article, the mother's strong affectionate attachment to her child is the child's best buffer against a life of crime. So how do we establish these relationships of love and affection? Well, there's many, many books that have written on it, but just to point out a few things that maybe will be important for us to, to consider today. Starting with the fourth commandment of teaching honor and respect and living it out within the home, lovingly disciplining our children. Society sometimes seems to say we shouldn't be disciplining our children, that'll hurt their self-esteem. Children need to be disciplined properly and lovingly. They need to know what the consequences are. And they need to feel those consequences when they don't follow. But it needs to be done lovingly and well. We need to listen to our children because sometimes what we perceive they should be thinking isn't what they're thinking. <laughs> we need to stop and listen to them sometimes because they may perceive something and probably do perceive something very different than we do. We need to set clear expectations so they know ahead of time what the consequences are. And then we need to follow through with those. And then we need to be the example. We need to show that even when it hurts us to do the right thing, it seems to hurt us to do the right thing. We do it anyhow because that's the way that the commandments call us to live. And they see us making the right choice maybe when nobody else is looking. The best blessing and promise of the fourth commandment isn't about what we see in our world today, and it isn't about their future and their careers and their marriages and their houses. It's about where it leads them ultimately. Our time here on earth is very short, but our time in hopefully heaven is so much greater. And what kind of future do we want for our children after this life? Do we want one that will lead them to complete joy and happiness, or to never find it throughout all of eternity. It starts with these commandments. It starts with this honor and respect in the home. This commandment has so much to offer us than, than what first meets the eye. When we take the first commandment and put God first in our lives, and we live this out and establish within the home a love for Jesus, putting him first in our lives, making sure we attend Mass on Sunday and make the liturgy the centerpiece of our day, living out our lives with Christ front and center in our lives. Our children, those beautiful bright eyes, as they grow up, they see us loving this loving, wonderful God. And it draws them into a relationship with God themselves. Learning these commandments and obeying them and teaching them to our children draws them as they understand the richness and fullness of them and stop looking at them as a negative list of rules, but the greatness that each of these commandments calls us into. They see this and they're, they're drawn into a relationship with God and into heaven. 
and as they see us living authentic Christian lives. These commandments tell us how to do this. It's why it's so important that we get them top of mind so we can live them within our hearts. And our children and grandchildren can see this. And they can see the joy that we experience when we do. Because our children look to us. They want to see what we're doing and they want to emulate what we're doing. Especially the young children. They do things that their parents are doing. They act them out. They put on their mom and dad's shoes and tromp around the house. Trying to be like dad. Put mom and dad's coat on. They want to grow in to be like mom and they want to be like dad. Children learn more from who you are than what you teach. So we have to walk the talk, do the actions behind these commandments. And it sure helps to understand what these commandments are really calling us to, the greatness that they have to offer in each of them. A parent's responsibility to their child in setting the example is extremely important. And it says so in, in our catechism in paragraph 2223 it says parents don't just have a responsibility but it says parents have a grave responsibility to give good example to their children not to be taken lightly what a great responsibility but what a great privilege it is as parents have the most important job in the world to establish the future not for the children but for all of society going to take a look here at the relationship that we have with our children throughout our lives and basically there's three different stages of the parent-child relationship the dependent stage where the child is dependent upon the parent the independence when the child starts to become their own person and then when roles are reversed so first we're going to look at the dependent stage here this is a very important stage because this is when parents have the most influence, practically speaking and spiritually speaking, on a young child. Those big, beautiful, bright eyes as we shape and mold their attitudes about God and about one another of honoring and respect. And then they're watching us. Every minute of the day, the kids are watching us to see what our actions are like. And they're putting the pieces together and connecting the dots. So we need to make sure we lead by the proper example of honor and respect ourselves. We need to be intentional about teaching the Catholic faith. We need to be careful not to abdicate the teaching of our faith to someone else, the teachers at school or the pastors or the Sunday school teachers. We need to be actively involved in teaching our children our faith and explaining to them why God is so important to ourselves. And we can make use of tremendous resources that are available that weren't available all that long ago parents need to listen again we need to make sure that we're not assuming our children we know what our children are thinking we need to listen to them and, and then guide them into making good decisions themselves sometimes we have to kind of step in if they're really going to step off a, a deep cliff there but we need to try and guide them into making the right to children the right decisions now, this whole time I've been talking about what us as adults need to do regarding this commandment. You thought this commandment was about the children sitting up straight and listening and obeying. And we've spent all of this time talking about what we need to do so that our children can benefit from this commandment. Now I have one line that I'm going to say that the children need to sit up straight and, and listen. And this is where children need to just respond respectfully. 
They're often not going to like what we've told them, what we've said that they need to do, either as a consequence or as a general rule. But children need to say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. They need to respond respectfully and not roll their eyes and say, whatever. <laughs> this is where the children need to just say, you know, I'm going to do this because it's one of the commandments, and I'm going to respect my mother and father even if I disagree and think that they're old-fashioned. God calls children to honor their mother and father. And then if we've done our job well and done it right, we don't need to depend upon our position of authority as a trump card and just say, well, the commandment says you have to, to, to listen to me and that's it. Now, there are times when you've explained it over and over to the children and they just don't want to get it or they aren't getting it. And finally, you just have to say, because I said so. <laughs> and that's where they need to fall back to say children need to respond respectfully. And when they know that you're an honorable person and you respect them and you say, you know, I can't explain it any more than this. You're just going to have to trust me on this. They will. They may not like it, but they will. The next stage in, in our, our relationship with our children is the independent stage. And this is where our children are starting to break away and become their own person in that adolescent years and into early adulthood. And we need to have mutual honor and respect here and allow them to make some mistakes and decisions of their own and, and learn from them during this time. It's where maybe you're not quite peers, but closer to being peers with one another and giving them that latitude. But is our job over? I don't think so. I think we need to continue, and it's very important in this stage, to continue to set the example, to be that person who puts God first in our lives and pursues a deeper prayer life. As our children don't need as much time for us, we can commit more time to our relationship with God and, and, and have our relationship with God change in its dynamics as well. And as our children see this, they see that example and they see what's important in our lives. When they see, our, see us learning these commandments and observing them and putting them into practice and teaching the grandchildren, they observe this and they see our example. And they see our example of continuing to pursue our faith and our relationship and our love for God. And then during this phase of independence, we need to depend on prayer a, a heck of a lot more as time goes on. We need to pray for patience, pray for good things in their lives. And then we need to pray that every once in a while they'll still ask for advice from us to be able to impart some of the wisdom that God has shared with us in our experiences. And then the last phase, this is when roles are reversed. And this is where our children are providing care for the parents. This is a very important part of our relationship and part of this commandment is providing for the older parents when they need some extra help. And we're called to do this. This is a responsibility. In Catechism 2208, it tells us the family should live in such a way that its members learn to care and take responsibility for the young, the old, the sick, the handicapped, and the poor. Our children and grandchildren need to learn how to care 
for their aging parents and grandparents. And this is where the blessing comes in here. So they, in turn, will have children who will care for them. What great wisdom God has in this commandment to prepare our children to be cared for in their old age by our grandchildren, by setting the example, by taking this responsibility and caring for our aging parents. What great blessing it is to care for our parents because it teaches the grandchildren to love even when it's not easy to love. Another blessing is that it teaches our children to care for us as we did to our parents. I look to when my mother and father and my aunts and uncles were taking care of my grandfather and grandmother for many years. And it set the example for us of how they worked together and took care of grandma and grandpa. And when it came time for my mother to need a lot of extra help, we all came together and did the same. Now this time with our parents, the five years that my siblings and I came together and took care of my mother, yeah, there was tremendous sacrifice. Love never comes without great sacrifice. So while there was great sacrifice, I would never trade the time that I had with my mother. We shared so many laughs during those years. We cried together. We prayed together. We played silly little games and, and just sat and held each other's hands. I wouldn't have had that time if I hadn't taken the time to make that sacrifice to care for my brothers. And my sisters and my brother did the same, and they had the same blessing in their life, those memories that we wouldn't have had, such blessing in caring for our parents. But also there's some time for some great healing, an opportunity for healing when we spend that time with mom and dad. Sometimes there's baggage that's been carried along for years and years that is able to be healed during that time. In the last weeks of my father-in-law's life, my wife went out to Colorado and spent time taking care of him. They had some great heart-to-heart -heart talks, and there was some deep pain that had been carried for many years that they were able to heal. And so for the rest of my wife's life, she's able to release all of that pain and that anger through that time with her father. Don't miss out on the opportunity to care for your aging parents and grandparents. So many tremendous blessings to be had. And it truly is a responsibility and a duty. And we're told this in Timothy, first book of Timothy, where Paul tells us, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let these first learn to perform their religious duty to their own family and to make recompense to their parents, for this is pleasing to God. Taking care of a parent who maybe is, doesn't feel good and doesn't respond well and gets angry and doesn't like the way that you do things, it can get very, very difficult. 
And you may just say at some point, I can't do this anymore. Maybe the baggage is there that doesn't help. When we get to that point, we can say, you know, I can't do this for mom and dad right now, but I can do it for Jesus. Because I know that it pleases Jesus when we take this responsibility and make the sacrifice of love to care for them. One more point I want to make here before we get into our group discussions is that there are appropriate times when a child needs to disobey a person of authority. There are times when we need to give them permission to say no and disobey. When someone asks a child to do something that is contrary to one of the commandments, they need to have the permission to say, "Uh uh-uh. And they need to be able to recognize this. And this doesn't happen with a single conversation. It happens with multiple conversations, pointing out examples in television shows, in real-life news stories, in the drama that happens at school or at work or within the family. And be able to point out to say, here's an example where the seventh commandment is being violated here. And even though this person of authority, a boss or a coach, has told you to do something, you can rightfully stand your ground and say, no, not going there with you. And the children need to have permission to do that. Otherwise, they may just fall into the trap of following along with obeying that person of responsibility. So I need to make sure that we point that out. It's a very critical part of this. So our action plan for this week is take some time to assess who in your life that you owe respect to and who in your life owes you respect. Look at those level, the level of respect in those relationships and if it's not where you think it should be, ask yourself why not and what changes need to happen to get those levels of honor and respect to the appropriate levels. And as a family activity play, the childhood game of Mother May I. It's always fun to play the mother, isn't it, when you're playing Mother May I. But play that game and have the conversation with your children as to why this commandment is important for them and how it sets them up for a good future so that they can see the reality of this commandment playing out in their lives. And how this commandment, yes, it's a commandment for them to obey, but it's so much more. It has so much to offer them and their future. Next time, we'll get into the fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Now, most of us, I'm sure probably nearly all of us, if not all of us, are saying, I don't kill. Well, I think we need to take a closer look at this, because while we may not directly kill, there may be some ways that we're indirectly killing figuratively and literally. And we need to realize that killing is not necessarily just physical killing. We can kill in other ways when we kill somebody's spirit and their enthusiasm. So we need to be aware of those. Before we break into our group discussion here, we're going to go ahead and have our closing prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Creator of the universe and Redeemer of our souls, Give us your grace to grow in your commandments each day. 
and your mercy when we stumble. You are the Lord, our God. We will not have other gods before you. We will not use your name in vain, but will glorify your name in all our words and actions. We will remember to keep holy the Lord's day by preserving it only for worshiping in you, resting in you, and for relationship with family and friends. We will honor our father and mother and teach our children to do the same. We will not kill, but will honor and protect life from conception to natural death. We will not commit adultery, but will honor our bodies for the sacred purpose of new life. We will not steal, but instead cultivate a heart of generosity. We will not lie, but rather honor truth in our words and actions. And we will not covet our neighbor's spouse, and we will not covet the things of this world, but rather we will set our heart on building treasures in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, questions number three and four in your workbook for your group discussions there. The first question is, how should parents and grandparents be both the example and intentional in teaching the fourth commandment to our children and grandchildren? And the fourth question, what's the most important lesson you learned today that you need to teach your children and grandchildren? So let's go ahead and break into our groups and have our group discussion and look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>